What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the eighth episode of the Instant Replay Podcast. I am your host, as always, Dominic Shirosky, and we've got a lot to get into today. There actually was a boxing match that we just got to watch the other night on Saturday. And hold on, you know what? Let me, let me little, little, give a little. Yeah. So we finally got to see Wilder versus Fury part two. And I have to say it um it it was interesting. <laughs> it was interesting to say the least. So I'm gonna jump right into this. Uh we have what I believe is probably or was the most hyped heavyweight boxing fight we've seen easily in over a decade like boxing in its boxing as a sport in general has lost a lot of its core fans and a lot of its popularity and the big part of that has been and this is one of my opinions I feel like uh, I feel like Floyd Mayweather has had a very large hand in the kind of decline in popularity of the sport of boxing because of his style of fight. Like, I think, like, people wanted to watch Floyd, but it was kind of just, like, because we wanted to watch Floyd lose. But a lot of people won't ever say it. Floyd's fights were boring, you know? And I feel like that, because that was the only fights that were really promoted were Floyd fights, people who didn't really have a vested interest in boxing would check out a Floyd fight or like one or two and just be like, this is boring. Why am I watching this? And so because we didn't have those big names that we do now in the heavyweight division specifically, because when you have big names in the heavyweight division, it does something for the sport of boxing that shoots the popularity up. When you have guys like a Deontay Wilder, like Tyson Fury, like Anthony Joshua, like when you have guys like this fighting at the heavyweight level, at that heavyweight um, class, people watch. And especially when you have the two types of fighters who Deontay Wilder himself. So (laughs) I've always said this about Deontay Wilder. It's funny to me watching Deontay Wilder fight sometimes because he doesn't look like a boxer. Like the way he throws punches, the way he moves around, like he he does a lot of things wrong, like technically. Like he's not a sound boxer. Like he's not a boxer. He's just a flat out fighter, you know? And that's, that's something that I think has lent its way to making his, his bouts and his fights so entertaining is because it's like he does really what, is like the exact opposite of what they teach you in boxing with like how to throw punches, you know, and things like that. And it's just like, it's so unorthodox. Like it looks like Deontay Wilder fights like it's a street fight, but it's so entertaining that way. Tyson Fury, on the other hand, is more of a technically sound boxer. However, Tyson Fury is a huge showman. He likes to put on a show. He does the antics, you know, and of course he has knockout power. So, this second fight, Wilder versus Fury Part 2, I have to say, um, boy, Deontay Wilder got whooped. I mean, it, 
seven rounds, you know, and I, you know, Deontay Wilder's corner had to throw in the towel after seven rounds. In all honesty, they could have thrown the towel in like two or three rounds earlier. Like it, Wilder, Wilder just looked like he did not have it for this fight. Um, Fury came in, he looked good. And Fury, Fury looked like a man on a mission. Um, but I have to say, now I do want to point out that to me, this series between the two is is tied 1-1 to me. I don't think Fury has the advantage over Wilder because I personally feel like Wilder won the first fight. I don't think that first fight between the two should have been a tie. But this fight, I feel like Tyson brought the fight to Deontay way more this fight than he did in the first one. And I feel like the first fight was kind of a testing out. The first fight, I felt like Fury was just trying to see like how Wilder would be. And more importantly, can I handle Wilder's power? Because that is Deontay's claim to fame. If he gets that right hook going, if he hits with that right hand, you're going to bed, right? I think that first fight, Fury under like got a feel for what type of power Wilder had and said, okay, I can take that. I have to be careful, but I can take that. I can withstand some of that punishment. And I have to say, yeah, this second fight, it was all all Fury from, from Jump Street. Like, Wilder was never in it at any point. Um, it was bad. It was really bad. Um, I do, and I, I, and I wish I, Deontay, so I love everything that Deontay said after the fight up until one point. Um, I love that Deontay Wilder came out and said, and he kind of, well, actually, now that I think about it, he kind of contradicted himself because Deontay Wilder came out and was basically like, you know, no excuses. The better man won today. Um, he was also kind of upset at his corner and like his trainers. He actually said that I think he's going to fire one of his trainers, which because the train, because his trainer threw in the towel and like stopped the fight and which Deontay Wilder's response to that was, you know, I'm a warrior, you know, I've said on multiple occasions that, you know, if I go into a ring and kill a man, it is what it is. But at the same point, you know, I have to keep that, I have to keep that same energy the other way around and basically be willing to die when I go into the ring as well. And that's kind of what he was alluding to. He was like, you know, I'm a warrior. I want to go out on my shield. Don't stop the fight. You know, if, if Tyson Fury comes out there and knocks my block off, so be it. Um, and I respect that because as a fighter, that's what you're supposed to do. Like fighters are wired differently. Like that's why, like, it's, 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 that's why like the, the controversial, you know, no mas fight who I cannot think of the boxer's name at the moment, but that, where, but there was a fighter where, like, you know, they were fighting. He was kind of getting beat up, and he just, you know, in, in during the fight, he looked at his trainer in his corner and just said, "No mas, I'm done. Like, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore." And to this day, we still look at that fight like, what? You know, like that's that's not something that typically comes from the fighter. The fighter never wants to stop. Um, so I don't think Deontay Wilder should have fired his trainer i hope he doesn't he's he's spoken about it like he's going to um and obviously deontay wilder he has this clause in his contract that he is obliged a third uh fight a rematch fight if you will 
Um, so we, if as long as Fury agrees to this rematch, we more than likely will get a third fight between these two, which is great for everybody. Um, but Deontay Wilder said some things, and I just kind of was like, dude, that's 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 not <laughs> that's not something you need to say. Um, so like I said, he said that whole, he had his whole spiel where he was like, you know the better fighter won today and, you know, I'm not making any excuses. And then literally turned around and made excuses. Um, he said how, uh, I came into the fight and the costume that I was wearing, which I will say the costume was very elaborate. It looked like it probably weighed a lot. They say that, um, the, the, the costume itself weighed about 45 pounds. Um, but Deontay Wilder, came out and basically said, you know, my I didn't my legs were weak. I didn't my legs were out because I was tired from wearing the costume around so much and it was 45 pounds and it weighed me down and by the time I got to the ring my legs were gone. Deontay. Deontay, you know, and here's my thing, right? <laughs> here's my thing. I don't question the validity. Like that's one thing I want to make very clear. This might be true. You might, because Deontay looked gassed from the jump. Like, he looked completely tired and gassed. But, like, you can't, you can't come out here as a professional fighter who just lost your first fight of your career and blame the loss on your costume. Like, and, and part of this is kind of self-preservation. It's like like the human mind, of the, just the psychology of the human mind, we never want to look at ourselves as the problem, so we always look at some type of extraneous detail um, as to why we were off. Like, and especially with athletes and like people who, you know, physical performance is kind of like what validates them. Um, that's why like you see a ton of other athletes are like super, are, are very superstitious, you know, or they have specific routines because they feel like, you know, I, I have to wear, you know, I have to wear my, my socks a certain length and I have to, you know, eat a certain meal before a game. And then I have to have this specific, you know, routine that I do. I have to make sure that I do this one stretch because if I don't, it'll mess up everything else because we never want to look at ourselves as the problem because it's hard, especially for someone who has never lost a fight in his professional career to sit back and be a champion, have knocked out literally almost every opponent you've gone up against to finally lose and then look at yourself and say, somebody is better than me. There's a, there's, there's some, there's that psychological aspect to it that you start grasping for excuses. It's like, no, it's, it can't be me. (laughs) Yeah. Like I know I'm amazing. I know I'm great. I know I can do this. I know that there's no one better than me. So if I lose, there has to be some other reason why I lost because it can't be me. That's where Deontay is at this moment. Because blaming your outfit, blaming your costume, and like I said, great costume, super elaborate, looked amazing. Probably, and like I said, that's that's my main thing too. Again, I want to restate this. I'm not saying that that's incorrect. I'm not saying that he's wrong for thinking that. You can't publicly come out and state this, though, because it makes you look weak. 
that's that's the main thing. It makes you look weak. It makes you look like you're copying please. Because here's my here's my point. Deontay, how would you feel if some of the past guys, some of the guys you had fought prior, you know, like some of the guys you had knocked the snot out of in your past fights, how would you feel if one of them came out and said, oh, you know what, my my costume wore me down and I was just tired because it was so heavy and I didn't have my legs. That's the only reason I lost this fight. You would have laughed them out of the building. You would not have paid them a second thought. You wouldn't have bought that excuse, so you don't get to play this excuse. Now, granted, like I said, 45 pounds is a lot to carry around, and I I believe they said he was walking around in it for like 10, 15 minutes. Like, you try and, yeah, like, you try and walk around with an extra 45 pounds on, I'm pretty sure you'll be tired too. But my point is, you cannot make that excuse. Um, it just, like I said, it just makes you look weak, and, you know... We, I'm, I'm super excited because uh, Deontay Wilder has come out and verbally expressed, like, no, I want my rematch. And he wants it actually fairly close. Like, he's like, no, I'm not putting this off for six, seven months. He's like, no, I want this. I want this fight and I want it to be like in the summertime. Like, I'm, I'm, I want this fight in like four months. <laughs> so he, he's anxious to get back in there as he should be. Um, I mean, you're, you're a champion who just lost your belt. Obviously, that hunger is there. And I would love, love, love to see a third fight. And I would especially love to see a third fight if Deontay Wilder wins. Because if Deontay Wilder wins that third fight, we're definitely going to see a fourth one. Because then the series will be tied. One win, one loss, one tie for everybody. You know, like Tyson will have won one. And Deontay will have won one. And they will have the one tie. So like that that fourth fight would really be their tiebreaker. So I'm hoping we get we get a third fight. Um, hopefully, if you know, I'm I'm almost 100 percent sure Tyson Fury. I think Tyson Fury has a ton of respect for Deontay Wilder. He even said it after the fight, like you know, he went up to uh, Deontay, you know, and like and they were doing their whole thing and just kind of hugging each other out. And you could hear Tyson Fury and saying, "Listen, you, dude, you're a hell of a fighter." Like the amount, like he Tyson Fury has a ton of respect for him, even though. So, Tyson Fury, we got to talk about you, nasty man. Um, why are you licking the blood and sweat off of Deontay Wilder's neck in the middle of this fight? Like, don't do that to me. <laughs> don't. Like, the level, just, one, it's creepy. It's, one, well, one, it's unsanitary. Two, it's creepy. Three, it's disrespectful. Like, don't do that to me. But, anywho, Tyson Fury, c- congrats on the win. But, chill out. <laughs> um... But no, I'm I'm super excited. I'm almost 100% sure we're going to get a third fight. And if Deontay Wilder wins that fight, um, I'm sh- almost 100% sure we'll get a fourth fight. Um, it's still Bomb Squad. Don't get it twisted. I'm still a huge Deontay Wilder fan. I still believe in Deontay Wilder. That's why I want him to get this third fight. <laughs> I want him I want him to reclaim his belt. Um, but that was that's not what I expected. I will say this fight, you know, and like I said, I just watching it, I, I saw it and I was like, Deontay looks gassed. Like he looked tired and just looked out of it from the jump. Um, so hopefully we get a third fight, third fight. He doesn't wear any costumes and he can come in. He's fresh and he looks good, you know, and we can really see these two perform at their, at their peak. Um, so that's it for the boxing world. Now, 
for those of you, and I've said it on this podcast before, this next two months, these next two months, March and April, are literally my favorite time of year for sports. Um, because the NFL scouting combine is right around the corner and then we get the NFL draft. And those are literally my two favorite events in all of sports. Like I, I'm so like, for those of you who don't know, like the the NFL scouting combine is literally just where young men come in, they're invited to run drills and, you know, run 40s and do all these different things in front of all these NFL scouts. Um, And it is a long, arduous process that takes about four days. Um, I was going to say what the the schedule actually Thursdays, Thursdays will be this Thursday. um, You will see the tight ends, the quarterbacks and the wide receivers work out Friday. You'll see place kickers, special teams, offensive linemen and running backs. Saturday will be defensive linemen and linebackers. And of course, Sunday will be the defensive backs. Um, I am going to do my absolute best to sit down and watch every last one of those. But that's because I'm a football junkie. Like I can sit at home and just watch, you know, these athletes run around and do drills and all this other stuff for seven hours every day. <laughs> like it's, that's me. Um, but I know, I know a lot of you aren't like that I know a ton of you won't be able to do that I will say one there's one class or one position that I feel like everyone should pay attention to and that's the wide receivers the wide receiver class for this NFL scouting combine like the wide receiver class this year is I this might be the deepest wide receiver class we've seen in a long time like when you have guys like Jerry Judy, C.D. Lamb, LaVisca Schoenault, um, Henry Ruggs, T. Higgins, Justin Jefferson, like you have studs. Like it's going to be a deep, like this is, it. it's a good year to be a team that needs outside weapons. Like it's a really good year to be a team that needs weapons and at, you know, skill position, specifically wide receivers. Like, cause I'm going to make a prediction now. I think you're going to see at least five wide receivers taken in the first round. Like that's how good this draft class is. And there are going to be guys that are taken in the second, third and fourth round. that are going to end up being starters. Like that's how good this draft class is for the wide receivers. Um, They, their workouts will be Thursday. So if you, that's the class to pay attention to. If you don't pay attention to anything else in this draft, um, or in this in this scouting combine Thursday, watch the wide receivers and just be amazed because I know they're going to light it up in the forties with their hands, their jumps, like all this. That I'm excited to watch this wide receiver class go to work this combine. It's going to be really good. Um, a couple of interesting things: the three individuals who might very well end up being the top three picks in the NFL draft are not going to be present for the scouting combine. Now, obviously, we knew Tua Tonga Viola was not going to be there recovering from uh, the hip injury. He's had his scans. Everything's come back positive. His hip has healed fine. He should be ready. Uh, Tua is not going to participate in any of the workouts. Um, He would do interviews, but that's it. And we won't see Tua throw a ball again until his pro day for Alabama. Um, 
Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow, same deal. And which at which point, if you're Joe Burrow, I kind of get it. Like, no matter what I do here at the Combine, I'm going to be picked number one. Like, there's literally at this point, Joe Burrow can do nothing to help his cause to be the first overall pick. Literally, the only thing Joe Burrow can do is hurt his draft stock. So I understand why he wouldn't perform. It's like, I have no reason to. Like, I'm almost, I'm damn near 100% guaranteed that Cincinnati is going to draft me number one overall. Why do I even need to do any of this? So I get that for him. Um, I, I completely understand that. I do want to point out, why do, so, because <laughs> Joe Burrow's measurements came in and he has nine inch hands, which is small. Um, by NFL standards, like they typically want guys who have like, you know, 10 and a half, 11 inch hands, stuff like that. Because, you know, you can grip the ball better and all that. Listen, it doesn't matter. Like, I don't understand why this still matters to scouts. Like there are tons of guys who have come in who had small hands that light it up. I think Russell Wilson had small hands and stuff like that. And you see what he's done. You know, Patrick Mahomes had small hands by NFL standards. And he's about to be getting paid $40 million a year. So, they're going to try and make a, they've been kind of making a big deal out of that. It's not a big deal at all. Um, but anywho, uh, and then also uh, interesting to me was Chase Young will not be attending. Um, Chase Young is not going to be at the scouting combine, which is interesting as well. Um, so if you were looking forward to seeing maybe some of those guys, uh, you're going to have to wait till their pro days. Um, I do so there's something that I saw this morning. Um, this is a little bit of a curveball because I wasn't going to talk about this at first. But I saw a uh, a report that quarterback Jalen Jalen Hurts, um, who will be at the scouting combine, he um, was asked, you know, if uh, when you're drafted by an NFL team, you know, if the team asked, would you be willing to change positions? And he answered very professionally. Um, I'm a team guy. I, I would. I, I want to do you know whatever I can to help the team win. But I'm a quarterback. I want to address this because I feel like it happens far too often. Stop asking black quarterbacks if they are willing to change positions. Quite frankly, it's racist. No other quarterback, like black quarterbacks are the only individuals who are penalized for their athleticism. Because black quarterbacks are typically faster. They can run. They're agile. That's kind of what we see. You know, they're more athletes. They're more athletic than the white counterparts, counterparts at quarterback, typically. But stop asking them if they're willing to change positions. Never. When there are mobile white quarterbacks, we never hear, oh, hey, do you think maybe you should switch? The only white quarterback I've ever heard anyone ask, hey, do you think maybe you'd be open to switching to a different position was Tim Tebow. And that's because Tim Tebow was built more like a tight end than a quarterback. So it made sense. And also Tim Tebow couldn't throw the ball. So it made sense for people to ask him, hey, maybe you should probably take a look at playing a different position. But guess what? He didn't, and he still got his chance. So I, 
it infuriates me when I see Lamar Jackson and <clears throat> excuse me, you know, Lamar Jackson and um Jalen Hurts and all these other black quarterbacks get sit sit back have to sit down and be asked, hey, do you think maybe a you should maybe you should be a running back or maybe you should be a wide receiver or, or, or a corner or something like that. And it's like, no, no, I'm a quarterback. Stop asking. If I want, if I am open to trying out at other positions, then okay, I will try out when they try out. If I want to work, if I want to work out as a DB and show that I have that ability, or maybe I am open to switching, then I'll go and I'll be out there Sunday with the DBs. But as of right now, if I don't do that, stop asking me. It's infuriating, it's disrespectful, and it is based in racist beliefs that black men cannot be quarterbacks, that black athletes do not have the mental capacity that it, that, excuse me, that they do not have the black, the, goodness, I'm getting, (laughs) breathe, that black men do not have the mental capacity that it takes to play quarterback. That is literally where that belief comes from. That is where that question stems from. It is rooted in racist beliefs and it needs to stop being asked. Unless said individual, unless said black athlete comes out and states, hey, I'm open to trying other positions, let them tell us that. Stop asking black quarterbacks if they want to play other positions. Let them be a quarterback. Moving on to the NBA. <laughs> um, I the so the Kobe Bryant monument was yesterday, and um, that just it's it still doesn't seem real, you know. Like it's almost a month. It like it it's almost a month since, and it's just like it's still like every time I just kind of sit around and it's like Kobe really like really so but it was a beautiful monument 10,000 people there a, yeah packed staple center um michael jordan spoke um shaquille o'neal spoke you know tons of people diana Taurasi and, and 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 sabrina um i i canasco i think is how you, i can i can't uh i don't know how to pronounce her last name so i apologize um, but tons of people spoke and I have to, a special, special big shout out and tons of respect to Vanessa Bryant. I mean, Vanessa Bryant is not a public speaker. She's not in the media like that. You know, she was kind of just like, she stayed with her kids, you know, and for her to get up there in front of thousands of people. And to have that composure that she had to speak so eloquently and just really being class personified and showed us every reason why Kobe Bryant adored her. Um, Vanessa showed an incredible amount of strength to get up there, you know, and it was just, it was a very emotional moment. Um, yeah, it was just it was it was hard to watch too, you know, just hearing the things and you know, it's not fair, but um again, rest in peace, Kobe Bryant. 
rest in peace, rest in peace, Gianna Bryant, um, and rest in peace to everyone that was involved in this tragic accident. Um, all of you gone way too soon, and we all miss you very much and wish we could all have you back. And that's to everyone that was affected. Um, so keeping it with the NBA, I don't want to spend too much time on the sad news. Um, keeping it in the NBA, um, I've been seeing a couple of, I've been seeing this question start to get floated around, and I just think it's completely asinine. I've been seeing this whole can Zion Williamson win the rookie of the year conversation, right? And it's like, no. <laughs> like, John Morant has been far too fantastic this entire season for Zion Williamson to come in and only play 12 games and steal it. Now, I will say this. If Zion Williamson pl- keeps playing at this level <clears throat> and the Pelicans find a way to make it into the playoffs, then maybe we can have the conversation. But even then, it's unfair. Now, I will say, the pro- the level of production that the Pelicans have when Zion Williamson is in the game is incredible. Like, they're 7-5 and five with him, I believe. But most importantly, they score almost 120 points a game when he plays. In the games that he's played, they average about 120 points per game, which would be the best in the NBA. Zion Williamson makes a huge impact on this Pelicans team. And I think he's I think he's going to be a stud. I would have loved to have seen what he would have been doing for the entire season had he been healthy, but that's not the case. He's only played 12 games. He's, you know, it's up in the air on if this team will make the playoffs. The Memphis Grizzlies might very well make the playoffs. And I really, I really hope the Memphis Grizzlies make it to like <laughs> the eighth seed so that way they can go up against the Lakers because John Morant has that like kind of has like that that young confidence where like you just don't know any better so like John Morant will like have that will have that young dumb confidence to sit back and like call out LeBron and be like nah I saw I got him he old I got this like I I want I really want to see that series I think it'd be a ton of fun um but let's Let's stop. Let's trust me. I'm a Duke fan. I no one loves Zion Williamson more than I do. Relax. He's only played 12 games. There's no way in hell he deserves the rookie of the year over a guy who's been killing it since day one in Memphis. Okay. Um, lastly, in the NBA, I want to talk about Bradley Beal. Um, now I came in here not too long ago, and and put on my cape for Bradley Beal. I said he should have been a starter in the All-Star game. I feel like he was snubbed. I mean, he's dropping 27 points per game, but Kyle Lowry, who's only dropping like 19, can make it. Doesn't make sense to me. Um, But Bradley, 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 Bradley. Um, Bradley, if you haven't seen, has had back-to-back nights now where he's dropped 50-plus points, and the Wizards have lost. And... (laughs) He's Beal is starting to sound very upset, and you know he's talking about how he's tired of losing. And in any other situation, I would agree. 
I would 100% be sympathetic and I would be sitting there, you know, I would be the main one leading the free Bradley Beal post and all these things. And then I can't. Do you know why? Because Bradley, you chose this. You chose, you decided to sit back and take that contract. Now, granted, it's a very lucrative contract. You're getting paid very nicely in Washington, but you're getting paid very nicely in Washington to lose. If you really wanted to win, you would have turned away from the millions. So I don't want to hear your complaints now. I don't want to hear that you're tired of it. Because if you look at Bradley on the sidelines, like if you look at him whenever he's sitting down and the team is just playing bad, which is like always because it's the Wizards, he looks depressed. Like he looks like, what am I doing here? John Wall, when are you coming back? Like it's... It like it looks so sad, but I can't feel sorry for him because every time I'm like, you did it to yourself, buddy. This is kind of what you chose. Um, so Bradley, just gonna have to suck it up, you know, wipe those tears with the uh, with all the hundred dollar bills that you have, because uh, no one wants to hear your crying. No one wants to hear your complaints, especially when you chose this. Like it's not like how, you know. Sometimes you get traded to a bad team or like how like Andre Iguodala like got traded to Memphis and he did not want to be there whatsoever. And he and like he was just like, I'm not going to play here. I don't want to play for this team. This team sucks. I'm not doing it. And then like he was finally able to get his way. And like now he's in Miami and he's happy and he's like actually playing. No, like, you know, like this is not the same. We don't feel bad for you. You know, like you chose to stay here, Bradley. Yeah, you made your bed. Sleep in it. Um. But like I said, we'll see. The NBA season is shaping out to be really, really exciting. I'm, I cannot wait for the playoffs. I really can't. Um, I, I, it's gonna be really good. I also want to point out. I don't think, and you know, I feel like we spend, we as in the media, um, I feel like we've spent way too much time, really, just kind of already crowning whether or not the Clippers or the Lakers are going to win the championship. Like, that's really the only conversations that I hear, right? Is that like, you know, it's whoever wins between these two is probably going to win the championship. When we think of the, the finals, it's like, we think whoever comes out of the West between the Lakers and the Clippers is going to be the one to win. I think that's very presumptuous. I think that's very premature. I think Giannis Antetokounmpo and this Milwaukee Bucks team is being ridiculously disrespected. This, listen, this Bucks team with Giannis, with Chris Middleton, with Eric Bledsoe, with, you know, Robert Lopez, like with Brooke Lopez, um, they've got a lot of very good pieces. And they're in a groove. And Giannis, it's, it's crazy to think that Giannis, I like I have so much profound respect for Giannis because Giannis, every year he's come out, since he's been drafted, he's come out and he's balled out. And Milwaukee literally has come to him every offseason and said, hey, you played amazing. We need you to take it to the next level. And every year he's just said, okay. Like every year he's gotten better. Like even when he was like, it's like, you know, like last year, MVP year, they came back. We need a little bit more out of you. And he's absolutely doing that. This team 
is a juggernaut that needs to be respected. They're a team that I don't think is an easy out by any means. I think they are going to give anyone, no matter who it is that comes out of the West, whether it's the Clippers, whether it's the Lakers, you better not sleep on this Bucks team. Because they'll go and Giannis will pound you. I mean... This Bucks team, I don't think I don't think we're giving enough credit to how good this Bucks team is because the, you know they're in the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference has all the is is obviously the better conference, even though the Eastern Conference is on the rise. It's not the East isn't as weak as it once was, but the Western Conference is still the dominant conference. But this Bucks team, honestly, right now looks like the best team in basketball. So sleep on them if you want to. This Bucks team will go out and give anybody the work on any given night. Um, so I'm excited to see. I, I think 100% we're going to see the Bucks come out of the East, um, barring injury, knock on wood. Um, but it's uh, it's going to be really interesting. I do still think it, it was my pick at the beginning of the year. It's my pick still now. Um, Bucks-Clippers is going to be a really interesting series. Um, if that is what ends up happening. I think Bucks Clippers will be interesting because the way that you can beat the Bucks is actually similar to how you can beat the Lakers, which is literally the exact model of what the Clippers have done this season. Like every move the Clippers have made from this past offseason to now has been built around beating a LeBron-led team. How are we going to do that? We're going to wear LeBron down, plain and simple. He's not going to be able to rest at all. Every time he comes in, he has a dog on him. Like Kawhi Leonard's going to come, then Paul George, then Montrezl Harrell, then Marcus Morris. Then we're going to have Patrick Beverly sprinkle in every once in a while. Also, I think um, the addition of Reggie Jackson might go overlooked, but I think that's a really good move for them. I think that gives them another veteran point guard who can be somewhat of a playmaker. You add him alongside Lou Will for that bench. That that's a that's a really and that's the thing. This Clippers team is just very deep. They have pieces that I think work well together. Now, I will say Paul George has to get healthy. Paul George hasn't been healthy this year. He's having arguably his worst year of his career right now. He needs to get healthy, um, I think, but that's what the Clippers are doing. They're load managing. That's why they do this stuff. I think Paul George, if he's if he's healthy for the playoffs, I don't see anybody beating this team um, in the Western or Eastern Conference. Um, but we'll just have to see. Um, I'm super excited though. Like I said, I can't I can't wait. There's a lot of great stuff coming up. Um, also, March is almost here. March Madness is about to start coming up and. Boy, has the madness! I mean, it hasn't. This this college basketball season hasn't even been madness like March Madness. It's been madness from the jump. Like everyone's losing, everyone's being beat. There's, I don't say. I think uh, there's no more undefeated teams anymore. Like this, I think we're we're fixing to see the wildest NCAA college basketball tournament, men's basketball tournament ever. Like. It's going to be crazy. There's going to be so many brackets busted this year. I'm excited for that too. A lot of a lot of good stuff coming up in these in these next couple months. So I'm excited about all of it. 
that's all we have for you today, though, you guys. Um, thank you for stopping in. Thank you for listening. And I've been leaving you all with this quote. I got to keep it going. Um, Kobe Bryant once said, you know, no one hates the good ones. They only hate the great ones. So go out there and make some new haters. This has been the Instant Replay Podcast. I'm your host, Dominic Shirosky. See you guys next time.